morning. Um, so yes, if you don't know me, I'm Katie. I'm married to Matt. He's wearing yellow, so you can't miss him. That's his own fault. He shouldn't have worn yellow. Now you can't miss him. Um, uh, we have two daughters. Um, I work for a debt advice charity called Christians Against Poverty. I've been a member of the GAKE for about eight, nine years now. Uh, and it's just a real privilege to be with you this morning and speaking um, from this amazing passage. Um, over the last few months, we have on and off been looking at this book of John. Um, if you haven't been with us over these last few months and you're kind of here for one of the first times, just first of all, welcome. It's just great to have you with us this morning. If you're not familiar with the book of John, it was written by one of Jesus' disciples and it was written that we would know who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And so far, in the chapters that we've looked at, uh, we've seen Jesus doing these amazing, miraculous things. And as a result, people are starting to sit up and take notice and go, who is this guy? Like, what? What? Um, like, all these different things that he's been doing. And as we now get to chapter three, we see Jesus has this encounter with a man called Nicodemus, um, who, the, and the encounter just reveals so much about who Jesus is is. So we're just going to read through the passage together. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. 
Has anyone here watched The Crown, the TV series on Netflix? There's a few nods, yeah. It's a very popular TV show. Um, I'm very late to the party on this one. I think The Crown started in, like, 2016, but um, we only got a Netflix account about 10 months ago, so that's the first time we actually started watching The Crown. So we are slowly working our way through um, the series, and we finally um, got, we only got to season three. Uh, it's taken us 10 months, don't ask. Um, uh, but it's brilliant television, and um, a few weeks ago we were... Uh, watching season three, and um, we got to an episode which is all about Prince Philip, which you see a photo of Tobias uh, Mendes, who's playing him. And in this episode, basically, Prince Philip is having a midlife crisis. He is... Um, I've got no idea, by the way, how historically accurate this is. Probably not very, given that it's the crown, but it's a really good television. Um, so... Yeah, in the episode, Prince Philip is just having this massive crisis. He is really despondent about where he's got to in his life and what he's achieved. Um, he's been watching the Apollo 11 mission to, to land on the moon, and he's been just amazed by the, the feats of these astronauts who've, who've managed to land on the moon and return safely to Earth. And, and comparing himself to them, he just feels like he's just not really achieved anything in his life. And... Um, when the astronauts get back, they do a tour around the world, and one of the things they, they do is come to London. So he's got this opportunity to meet these astronauts, and he is so excited about meeting these astronauts. And um, he jumps at the ch chance to meet them, and he asks if he can have a private audience with these astronauts. And, you know, to, and he gets given the opportunity to spend kind of 10, 15 minutes with these guys. And before he meets them, he's like writing down all these massive questions like about life and the meaning of life and destiny and what it's all about. Um, and in our passage today, I was just really struck when I read it by the similarity between Prince Philip meeting these astronauts and Nicodemus going to meet with Jesus now, Nicodemus, you've got to understand, was a really important person in his society. He was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And far from being somebody who was meant to be looking for the answers to life's questions, he was somebody who was supposed to already know all of the answers to life's big questions. And so he doesn't meet Jesus openly. He comes to him at night to try and seek this private audience with Jesus. And just as Prince Philip had seen the endeavours of all the, these astronauts and, and hoped that as a result they would have some insight onto life, Nicodemus has heard what Jesus has been doing and he's similarly wondering, who is this guy? What can he offer? And so he comes to meet Jesus. But that's where the similarities end. Because in this episode of The Crown, when Prince Philip meets the Apollo 11 astronauts, he's bitterly disappointed that actually they don't have the answers that he's looking for. Whereas when Nicodemus meets with Jesus, his encounter is life-transforming. And for anyone who will listen, the encounter can be life-transforming for us too. Because in this conversation, Jesus blows Nicodemus's mind with what it means to be one of God's people and live in relationship with him. So the conversation that unfolds between Jesus and Nicodemus is fascinating because first Nicodemus makes what seems to be a statement, but Jesus just sees straight through that statement to the real questions that Nicodemus is asking. And that question really boils down to what does it mean to be with God, to be one of his people, and to see and be part of God's kingdom? The language of kingdoms doesn't really work particularly well for us now because we tend not to really live in kingdoms in the modern world. Um, so I think sometimes it's more helpful maybe to think in terms of citizenship because we kind of have a better understanding of what that means and what that language means. 
We know that if you're a British citizen, that brings incredible benefits and privileges with it. I said earlier, I work for, for CAP, a debt advice charity, and sometimes we have clients come to us for help, and they're not British citizens, and it's, it's really noticeable how much harder it is to be able to help them, because they just don't have the access to the same benefits, the same options, the same protections that other people do if they are British citizens. And the benefits of being in God's kingdom, in being a citizen of his kingdom, they go way beyond anything like to be that of that of being a British citizen because you're getting relationship with God himself, forgiveness for the things you've done wrong, and access to eternal life. And Nicodemus thinks he knows what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom. For a start, he's pretty sure he is one. Um, and there are two aspects to being a citizen of God's kingdom in, in his mind. First is birth, and the second is doing the right things. So first, in Nicodemus's mind, to be a citizen of God's kingdom, you would need to be born into the right family. So Jews like Nicodemus traced their ancestry right back to Abraham, who'd made the first covenant with God, that they would be his people. So that, for him, was the first entry box ticked. And second, Nicodemus thought that you had to do all the right things and keep all the rules. So that he was a Pharisee. The Pharisees poured over God's law, as we have it written down in the Old Testament. The Bible teacher Fillmore explains that Pharisees had categorized the law into 248 commandments, 365 prohibitions, and 1,521 amendments. They thought that following everything to the letter would make them good enough to be classed as God's people and claim all the benefits of being citizens in his kingdom. And these two streams of thought are still very much alive today when people ask, what does it mean to be a Christian? Often people fall into these same thought patterns. Many people around the world think that a Christian is someone who is born into a Christian country or comes from a Christian family. And other people think that Christians are people who do good things, who stick to the rules, and that's what makes them a Christian. And what Jesus does is just basically pull the rug under those ideas, just completely throwing them out of the window. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Some translations of what Jesus says are, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born from above. But either way, Nicodemus is just totally thrown by what Jesus has said. He is confused. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely someone can't enter into their mother's womb a second time to be born. What on earth are you going on about, Jesus? But Jesus goes on, Nicodemus, you haven't misheard me. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Jesus is adamant. Being a citizen of God's kingdom is not about the family you're born into or about how perfectly you've kept the rules and done all the right things. It's about something God does when we put our trust in him. After I finished university, I worked for my church in York for a few years as a student worker, and uh, basically I worked half the week for my church, um, and for that they gave me accommodation, and then for the other half of the week I had to find some paid work to do things like eat. Um, so uh, I did a variety of very interesting and random jobs over the two years that I worked for my church. I was receptionist and I worked in a cafe, and, um, and one of the, the jobs I did was um, I worked for a guy who was running his own business and just needed some admin help with a project that he was working on. And I'd always remember 
the first time I met him, and he, we were in this office, and he was explaining to me um, what he needed me to, to do for this project, and he was asking me a bit about myself. And I said that I was a Christian, I went to church, and he looked at me and he said, you're not one of those born-again Christians, are you? And I don't actually really remember how I replied to him, but I just remember the disdain in his voice when he, told, you know, when he said this, this to me. Um, a lot of people outside of the church have a very distinctive idea of what a born-again Christian is. And perhaps, yeah, you're here this morning and you've got your own negative image and you'd think, well, I would never want to be one of those people. Um, the church, unfortunately, has a lot to answer for as to why people have such a strong negative reaction to that phrase. But the fact remains that when we read this passage in John, Jesus is really clear. If we want to be close to God, if we want to be one of his people, if we want the benefits of being near to him and in his kingdom, then we need to be born again. And if you're thinking, I don't get it, well, that's okay, because Nicodemus didn't get it either. <laughs> How can this be? He asks. So Jesus turns to another analogy, one that would have been really meaningful for Nicodemus because it comes from the Old Testament, from the part of the Bible that he was super familiar with. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. In the story Jesus is referring to, the Israelite people have been freed from slavery in Egypt and they are in the desert and the people are moaning and complaining against God and against their leader Moses. And some poisonous snakes come in and they start biting the people. And God tells Moses to create a replica of a snake and put it on a pole and stick the pole in the middle of the camp. And if someone was bitten by one of the snakes but they took a step of faith, they came out of their tents and they looked up at the pole, then they would be saved. They'd be healed and they would live. And Jesus now uses this picture, this story to explain his mission. But instead of a snake being lifted up on a pole, he would be lifted up on the cross. And those who looked to him, just as the Israelites looking up at the snake in the desert, they would be saved. Phil Moore in his reflections on John notes that in ancient Greece, people would say, just like we do in English, that they believed in something or they believe in someone. Apparently, though, when John writes this bit of the gospel, he doesn't actually say anyone who believes in him. He actually says anyone who believes into him, which isn't good Greek or good English, but saying that those who believe into him, he's trying to convey that this isn't just about some kind of rational recognition of a set of facts. It's not enough to state that you believe Jesus lived or even that he died and rose again. You need to believe into him. This is about a belief that looks like trust. Another translation could be to lean your whole weight upon. It's looking to Jesus and believing that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is saying that to be one of God's people, it's not about physical birth, the family or the country you're born into. It's not about keeping the rules. It involves two things, an act of faith, an act of God. For those who will look to Jesus and trust him with their lives, God will do something wonderful and mysterious. Just as human birth is a wonderful and mysterious thing, and he will give spiritual life to that person. How that happens and when that happens will look different for different people. Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. We know that the paths of the wind are unpredictable. 
Apparently, one of the causes of the energy crisis and the high gas bills and uh, electricity bills that we're experiencing at the moment is that there's just been a lot less wind than was predicted off the coast of the UK over the last year. And so wind turbines just haven't produced as much power as people thought they would do. No one knows for sure which way the wind will blow. And likewise, God will work in the way he chooses to work. So we have to be really careful about prescribing what someone's spiritual birth will look like. It doesn't matter when or how. It just matters that it happened. I grew up in a Christian family. I, my parents were Christians, and they took me to church. I'm always going to be very grateful to them for that. Um, they also gave me some um, Christian like song tapes on cassette when I was uh, very young. These song tapes were not at all trendy and cool like the songs that our kids in Treehouse listen to. These were the ultimate in cheese, these songs. Um, but there was a song on one of these tapes that has stuck with me my whole life. Uh, and, and on the tape, there's a child, and, and they were singing, Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And at some point, and I have absolutely no idea when, because I know I listen to those tapes a lot, um, but definitely as a very young child, I know I did put my trust in Jesus. Years later, um, when I was a teenager, um, I went to a concert by the Worldwide Message Tribe. Now, if you've not heard of the Worldwide Message Tribe, that's probably because you weren't um, a Christian or around church stuff in the like, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but the Worldwide Message Tribe were this amazing um, Christian band uh, set up by this guy called Andy Hawthorne, and they toured around schools uh, in, in Greater Manchester um, telling people about Jesus. Uh, and they're, yeah, amazing. Amazing band. And, they, and then once a month, they would put on this concert um, in Manchester. And me and my friends, uh, we would go every, every month to, um, to sort of see the performance. And, and one month, um, they did a gospel message, and they invited any, anyone present who wanted to, to know Jesus to, to pray a prayer of salvation and then come forward to be prayed for. And I can remember, I was thinking I was about 14 at the time, I remember hearing this prayer and thinking, oh, I've not said this prayer, and thinking... Maybe I'm not a Christian. And I sort of remember sort of saying this prayer and then hurrying forward to be prayed for. And uh, nothing very dramatic happened. And I just left feeling a bit confused and not really knowing what was going on. And uh, later, I talked to my vicar about the whole thing. And he was kind of amused in a nice way uh, and kind of helped talk me through it and just helped me understand that it, it's not about a formula. It's about... It doesn't matter how or when. It's just about someone putting their trust in Jesus. It just matters that it happened. And I realize it's not about saying the right words. It's an act of the heart to trust Jesus and what he's done for us. In Matthew, Jesus talks about recognizing a tree by its fruit. It's God who plants new life in us. And if we've been born from above, our lives will bear fruit because his spirit will be at work in us producing good stuff. The fruit itself doesn't save us. Going to church praying, reading the Bible, doing good things for people. These are all fruits of the Spirit's work in us. It's a sign of the life that God has planted within us, but it doesn't save us. Finally, this life is for anyone who would choose to accept it. As it says in verse 16 and 17, some of the most famous words probably in the whole Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
the breadth and depth of God's love is shown in his gift to us of himself. Anyone could be a citizen in this kingdom of God, but they have to choose to enter, and not everyone will want to, says Jesus. A lot of the time, we don't want to be forced into making a decision on anything. In our culture, we quite like to keep our options open and prefer to remain undecided, to wait and see. But to get this new life requires a recognition that you are spiritually dead. It requires you to recognize that you're sick and need a healer, to recognize that you're not in the right, you're not justified, actually, that you are condemned, and not everyone will be willing to do that. I don't know about you, but I hate being in the wrong, and I don't find it really hard to admit when I'm in the wrong. I need God's grace to help me realize when I am in the wrong and when I need his forgiveness, and it is the same for everyone else, too. I was reading an article in the news the other day about uh, the levels of misogyny and racism leveled against many women on social media, and it was a really hard read, to be honest. Um, Often one of the hardest things about social media is that people can be horrible and do it anonymously. They can revel in being able to hide in the darkness while projecting hate out into the world. In the, um, in the article, this female journalist who'd written the piece, she'd actually managed to track down one of the people who had been abusive to her online and, and somehow managed to persuade this person to talk to her. And um, when she spoke to him, at first the guy, she's, as she was speaking to him, didn't really think that he'd done anything particularly bad. He didn't think the messages were particularly wrong. But after talking through with this journalist for a while, he conceded that I probably made a mistake. I'm a pretty fair bloke, he concluded. When his hatred and abuse were brought out into the light, he started to see it in a different way. But he was reluctant. <laughs> Until a light is shone on the darkness, many people don't even recognize that it is darkness. So we need to be praying because most people think that they are okay. They think they're a pretty fair bloke or similar. And they don't recognize that they need help, that they need salvation, and they need Jesus. And that God loves them despite their sin, that he loves them enough to die for them so that they could be renewed. As we finish, if I return to Prince Philip in series three of The Crown. So after meeting the astronauts, Prince Philip is just in complete despair because these guys were absolutely nothing like what he thought they would be. They just did not have the answers that he was looking for. And so, in his despair, he goes to meet with um, Dean Robin Woods, who's basically the new vicar on the Crown Estate. Um, and in a really moving speech, he recognises to, to the Dean and to these other guys in the room that he can't find the answers that he's looking for through any person on Earth, that he needs faith. And he looks at the Dean and just says, help, help me. And uh, this, the dean comes alongside him, and we see them walking and talking and discussing faith um, as the episode ends. So if you're sitting there thinking, I don't know God, I haven't put my trust in him, but I know I need help, and I do want to trust you, Jesus, then I just really encourage you to, to talk to Jesus about that. And if you've got um, someone here that you know um, who's a friend and you want to talk to them about it, I'm sure they would absolutely love to pray with you. Um, or you come and talk to me or one of the other leaders at the Oak, and we would love to pray with you too. If you're someone who's maybe just starting to work this stuff out, maybe you're watching online, and you're not ready to make some kind of decision 
just now, but can I just encourage you to keep searching? If you go back to the story of Nicodemus, he didn't become one of Jesus' disciples after this encounter, but he obviously took on board what Jesus has said to him, and he obviously kept mulling it over as he went away, because you can find further references to him during, throughout the Gospel of John. So you see later um, that in chapter 7, he's speaking up for Jesus at the Council of the Pharisees, and asking the Pharisees to give Jesus a fair hearing. And then finally, in chapter 19, we see it's actually Nicodemus who's the one who provides the tomb for Jesus after he's been crucified, thereby publicly proclaiming to everyone that he was willing to be associated with Jesus. And if you're someone who does know Jesus, then can I just really encourage you this morning and as as we go through today and the rest of this week to really be praying for the people that you know around you who don't know Jesus, because They need God's spirit at work in their lives to even begin to recognize that they need Jesus and his salvation. I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your incredible love for us. I thank you for the encounter you had with Nicodemus and how you walked him through that eye-opening encounter to understand what it really means to be part of your kingdom. I just pray for anyone who's here who is is listening to this and is just trying to work all this stuff out, that by your spirit would you be speaking to them and helping them to understand. And Father, yeah, help us to be a light to those around us and to be praying for those around us who don't know you. Amen.